So can we take the next hour and talk about me? Talk about me and we'll talk about me. Talk about me and we'll only talk about me. This is episode three. Can we please take this yeah. yeah, three officially, plus an intro. Okay, so as promised, we're parents now. Yeah. I think last time we left off, we were talking about how you didn't want anybody to know the name and how I could really care less about that. And now it's official. We can give the name because he has arrived. He is in your arms. He's in my arms right now. That's right. So Colin was a name that we had talked about just I don't know, in like normal conversation. I feel like it was five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, just coming across. Oh, Colin. I like that name. I did you? Strong name. Strong name. So when we found out we were pregnant, uh, I think that that kind of naturally got its way onto the list right away uh, as far as having a boy. Mm-hmm. And then for having a girl, we had lots of other strong contenders. The list was much longer for girls. Right. And I think it was a little bit more controversial in regards to, well, I guess not controversial, but... We had differences of opinion on the girls, and the boys were kind of like solidified in one or two names. Right. With the front runner being, of course, Colin. So one of my favorite things that happened was the minute we told my parents that we were having a baby, one of the first things my mom said was, do you have names picked out? And you, before <laughs> anyone could even, anyone being me, think of, of saying, well, actually, we're, we're not going to... Uh, I'm not going to talk about our names uh, right now. I'll probably keep that a little bit of a secret. You blurted out, well, we're thinking Colin for a boy. <laughs> I was excited. That was November. Not one for secrets. Was that like November 15th or something? Yeah. The Zika cruise. November. The Zika cruise. So that, maybe that'll be another episode. Yep. Um, so that's been kind of the the uh, number one guy, boy name. Mm-hmm. Um Right all along throughout the entire pregnancy. And then we had a good list of girl names uh, that I hope someday we get to put into use. If we don't have another baby, then we're going to need to get another dog because there are some, there's some really cool names in there that I like. Or we could adopt, you know. Yeah. Well, that falls into having another baby category, sort Sort of. of. Yeah. Not having technically, but obtaining. Right. (laughs) Anyway. So um, it's been probably a week and a half. It's been longer than that since we recorded maybe 10 days. and uh, we've only had him for officially eight days now. Cause right. We've just passed uh, the eight-day mark. The eight-day mark. Officially got there. So would you say that we are experts? Like we could write a book yeah. probably. I mean, eight days is really all you need to To know how good you are. A at perfect it. parent. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we expected. We right. knew that there would be... Very, very small, learning. modest challenges. Yeah, a little bit of a learning curve, but... So I guess we should back up and, and kind of start where our last episode left off with uh, a run of doctor's visits. Was it Saturday that we recorded last? I feel like it, it was... was the day before we went in, and so we went Sunday. in on Monday, Monday, so it was Sunday, yeah. Okay. So Monday, uh, we had... Uh, a scheduled appointment to go to the hospital and have uh, a couple doses of misoprostol, which is a drug that's meant to ripen the cervix. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, too explicit? No, to ripen discuss? and soften 
assist with hopefully contracting, etc. So the first thing I had written down was uh, a couple of the nurses that we had on Monday at the hospital. Well, actually, let's. I guess we need to rewind to the very beginning of Monday. So we showed up at the mm-hmm. hospital for an. What time was the appointment for? Eight forty-five. Yes. And we called that morning as we were instructed to do to find out whether they were overly busy, um, if they would be able to take us, or if they had too many kind of spur of the moment births um, to to keep us on track. So we called and they said, "Well, no, we're doing pretty good. You know, take your time. You can come in nine ish." Yeah. So we rolled in a little bit after nine and sat down with the. Uh, registration lady and she gave us a couple forms to fill out and one of the things you had to sign was the insurance so it's a consent for treatment slash waiver of saying you know the same thing we dealt with with the whole insurance issue previously where you become responsible for paying for the services if your insurance company won't you know cover it if there was a failure to obtain a referral or pre-authorization or what have you. So without getting into an excruciating level of detail, (laughs) the induction that we were scheduled for, um, we wanted to make sure that the insurance company considered it was pre-authorized and and medically necessary and called for by your doctor, which obviously it was. We wanted to try to connect all those dots and get the paperwork in, and it just didn't line up where we, we had... 100% 100% faith. So um, I have to take a little bit of the blame here because I don't know what I thought was going to happen. I knew you were apprehensive about signing that form. I knew that you didn't have the documentation that you wanted. And that I had talked to maybe four or five different people from various agencies the day before and no one could give me a straight answer, which obviously put us in just a further or put me in a further doubtful mindset in regards to whether I felt comfortable going through with everything. <laughs> and, I, and I think the other interesting factor was you didn't... I didn't want to do it anyway. You didn't want to do it anyway. So it was like giving me a reason. <laughs> it was a convenient excuse. So convenient we showed up at the hospital. I guess in the back of my mind, I knew you were going to refuse to sign the form. Mm-hmm. But I didn't play out what I thought was going to happen once we were sitting across the lady and she said, you know, okay, just sign here to authorize your treatment and to basically waive, you know... You're basically inserting yourself into this uh, financial taking uh, on liability, basically. So you you tried to explain it to her, and she didn't listen. She didn't care. um, You know, I've had problems in the past, and I just want to make sure that this is pre-authorized. Keep saying pre. Yeah, that's right. Pre-authorized. Pre-authorized. It's an inpatient treatment, and they said that there was a pre-authorization form. Right. That should have been faxed, which was faxed, but then there was no response. So, anyway, we're sitting down from the recept- across from the uh, registrant lady. And you tried to get, like, a last-minute verbal sign-off from her that everything was going to be okay. Right. And um, she wasn't really giving it to you. No. And She you- had no idea. She just wanted me to sign the forms and she just wanted to, like, get well, right. us in the room. She's the form lady. Right. Like, that's her job. Somebody right. comes in. I have an appointment. Okay, come around here. Here's the form. I'm going to print out your wristband, and then I will bring you to the room where you're going to get treatment. Right. That's her only job. Right. Which she actually made clear when you tried to ask her clarifying questions. She's basically like, I'm just the person who collects the signature. I don't know anything about this. Right. So you said, okay, well, I'm not signing it. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, you, you have to sign it. You don't You don't have an option. <laughs> and she said, no, I, I have an option. 
It's like, I, mean, I don't have to sign anything. Well, oh, that's because <laughs> she, she goes, well, they're not going to treat you. I think she's like, they're going to make you sign it. And I was like, oh. no, no one's making me sign anything. That's a good point. Yeah. So the, uh, we, we were referred to the finance office of the hospital. Which who no one know, was there. Well, who knew that hospitals have finance offices First that you can yeah. just go down and like chat with? No like one. it's a bank or something. Right. right. So uh, they gave us the phone number to the finance office. She said, oh, and actually the office is just downstairs if you want to go try to talk to somebody there. And, you know, even knowing that it really wasn't going to – our problem's not with the hospital finance office. The problem was with the insurance company. Right, but we were looking for somebody who was well-versed and would have an answer. And even, you know, to skip to the end of the story, once we found that person, we still didn't get the answer we were looking for. But, right. Uh, so we went downstairs. You were very upset. Yeah. Um, so I have, I took, you were irritated. I have my notes here, uh, uh, the timeline of the day. And the first entry in my notes is 9.30 a.m., argue with finance slash insurance people. Because mm-hmm. you called the insurance company and yep. tried to say to them, uh, you know, I submitted this form for pre-authorization. Right. They had told you that, well, yes, pre-authorization is required for this procedure because it has to do with labor and delivery. You can actually just sign the f- or have the form submitted afterwards. Right. Your pre-authorization can be submitted afterwards. afterwards. Like that completely defeats the purpose. So, we go, but, you know, we decided not to trust them on that. Right. Uh, so we w- went up and down. You... We kind of got frustrated with each other. Well, that was the thing, too. Is they, So the doctor's office had submitted the pre-authorization form to the phone number or fax number listed on the actual form itself. And when I spoke with a representative the following day, they were like, oh, it was faxed to the wrong number. You have to have it sent to the urgent care area. They won't even look at the form that you submitted for 14 days. And so that was just a further indication of how ridiculous that company is and how I can't even begin to... Uh, you, you deal know with what them. I was just thinking. <laughs> yeah, the purpose of this podcast is for Colin to find this interesting someday. I don't think this is interesting. Yeah. He's not going to care. That's true at all. I think that should we should get a sign. We hang it right here in case we get off track. <laughs> this is just like you and I debriefing the situation. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll, I'll try to give the Cliff Notes version. You you basically were like, fine, we'll just go and sign it and everything will be horrible. And that really wasn't the mindset I wanted you in. So I was like, no, 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 I'll go back down to the finance office. I explained the situation to the finance lady. She was very nice. She basically explained to me that it was nearly impossible to see a situation where the insurance company was going to deny treatment for labor and delivery where it's such a normal, accepted um, medical, you know, Need. Need, whatever, blah, 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 she said. And if for whatever reason they deny it, the hospital can go after them for recovery. You know, we wouldn't necessarily be fighting the appeal. Well, I don't know how much that's necessarily true. I guess we'll find out. And she alleged that they wouldn't be going after us anyway. The right. end. So I uh, filled you in on that. I went and did that on my own so you could have some time to decompress. Mm-hmm. And then we signed the form. Yeah. And that lady had no appreciation for what had gone on between the first time when we refused to sign the form and then the second time when... We basically showed up and she's like, okay, so you're going to sign the form now? Yeah. Right. Okay, good. I can bring you to the room. Um, okay, so the next, uh, the next, next, note. <laughs> next note I have, 11.50 a.m., uh, Nicole complains about wanting to go home. <laughs> so that was 20 minutes after we got into the room. That whole ordeal took about two hours before yeah. we got admitted. Um, and you immediately started saying things like, I hate hospitals. Mm-hmm. I just want to go home. This is where people die. This is where people die. Someone probably died in this Johnny that I'm wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually pretty disgusting if you think about it. 
Those were all just recycled. Okay, so my my notes from from this day, I think the one thing we want to touch on, we had a nurse who was awesome, awesome, crazy, (laughs) everything. Um, Talked about guns. Talked about what else? Very pro guns. Very anti Obama. Oh yes. Very anti Obamacare. Mm -hmm. What was the the example she used? Would you? I think it was something like, would you let a doctor build your house? Something like that. And obviously the answer is no. So then by extension, you're supposed to say, oh, and that's why we can't let the politicians dictate health care. Um, the, the more controversial thing she said was uh, when someone overdoses on oh. heroin, uh. even though we have Narcan, we shouldn't use it because when we bring them back, they're just a scourge on the system. I think as a nurse... That's an illegal opinion. I don't think you're allowed to think that with the... Uh... I mean, you could think it, but you probably shouldn't say it out loud. I'm pretty sure kind of like doctors, they take that oath, the Hippocratic Oath or something. I I, I don't have the Hippocratic Oath in front of me. I think it does it tell like, you what do you, you know can harm think. or something. Me, it does I, I can, tell you. I can look it up right now. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's like Catholicism where if you think it, it's just as bad as saying it. Perhaps. It's one of those t- sin type deals. All right. But anyway, see. so then the misoprostol doses were taken. I had to sit in the hospital bed for two hours. Got a free lunch. Yippee-ki-yay. Then we all, oh, we left the premises. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, we went to Whole Foods, which our doulas told us to do. Right. Hey, you know, you have two hours free. Get up. Go to Whole Foods. Walk around. Right. So we did that. We came back. Went to a park. It was nice. We, yeah, Peaceful. we had some cherries. Had some very good cherries. Uh, we came back and we said to this. Strap the, me up again. The crazy Obama nurse anti-obama nurse oh yeah you know beautiful day outside we we got out went over to whole foods and she was like i did what <laughs> i didn't hear that no you're not allowed to, to leave hospital grounds i i just meant that you could like go out and sit at the picnic tables outside so basically you become a prisoner when they're treating you right liability you know liability liability so the um the cool thing about monday was we got to go home at the end of the you know the baby they had you on the monitor the baby was reacting um or totally well reacting yeah right i guess everything heartbeat everything was cool right so they said go home and then we'll come back tomorrow morning and have your baby right um we're gonna make you have your baby tomorrow morning we did <laughs> the full of drugs. we did the prep work on monday but we're gonna make you have the baby tomorrow so we go home oh uh, we got some food mm-hmm. went to bed at, mm-hmm. i don't know 10 10 30 and then i woke up at about I don't know, a few minutes before 2 a.m. And I looked over and you were on all fours Mm -hmm. in kind of like a downward dog yoga position. And I knew instantly that something was happening Yeah, because you do not do that in your sleep. I do not sleep that way. Uh, And I, I think, I don't even know if I asked you like, what's happening or are you okay and you, I think you said at that point, like, oh, I'm, I'm having contractions. Like, mm-hmm. this, things are, are starting. Things are happening. Um, so at 2 a.m., we've only been asleep for a couple hours, kind of was snapped awake. Um, you it's got up. Too. I think it's like one thirty. I'd been up since one thirty. Yeah, you were up a little bit before I, uh, I was. So you got in the shower mm-hmm. and you said to me, um, why don't you try to go back to sleep because... It's going to be a long day. It's going to be a long day, and there's really nothing you can do at this point. Right. Um, so that didn't work at all. <laughs> I laid there 
Hey, I get points for being considerate, though. Absolutely do. You do. It's just an impossible task. Right. You can't be like, oh my gosh, it's Christmas morning. I'm going to go back to sleep. Right. Santa's already come. Santa's going to be in the bathroom taking a shower. The present is almost on the way. Yep. Um, so we got up, came downstairs. The dogs were beside themselves because they had no idea what was going on, but there was a lot of activity for 2.15 in the morning. Um, you started pacing back and forth in the living room, trying to walk through the pain of your Locking contractions. Off. Yep. Um, I fell asleep on the couch at that point with the dogs. They got up on the couch, and the three of us were just watching you pace. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I had my little contraction app, so that was helping me. Yep. You Good were tra- time. Tracking your time. Uh, so I fell asleep for about 45 minutes, I want to say. I woke up to my phone vibrating and I looked down and it was a text message from you on a group message, uh, between you, me and Catherine, the doula. And you said the rest of my water broke. Yes. So interesting to learn that (laughs) from your own wife, from a text message from inside the house. I didn't Mm -hmm. know where you were. I was in the shower. Uh, So that I went upstairs and figured I should check on you and try to not sleep through any more major milestones. (laughs) (laughs) Of <laughs> the birth process. Um, by that point, you were basically nonverbal. You right. weren't really ver- very verbal before that, like um, within the, the first hour or so of being up. Um, but you... Now, this is closer to probably four It was after that. It was after a four? Yeah, actually. Okay. So you're, uh, the rest of your broader broke at 5.30. 5.30, okay. Uh, and then I went upstairs to try to talk to you about the plan What's the plan? What are we going to do with the dogs? Because we had planned to drive the dogs to your parents' house on the that way to the morning, hospital, right. thinking we weren't going to be in labor. Um, but now it became apparent that we were going to be in labor. So I was trying to deal with the logistics uh, by coming up with the plan and explaining it to you. And you gave me the, for the only time in, in your entire labor, you gave me the, just stop talking. <laughs> and... I think that was the last, was it the last thing you said to me all day? Yes, because then I got sick. So it was one of those things where I just couldn't take anything in. I just had to focus on the task at hand, which was getting through the pain and the feeling of being completely out of control and sick. And yes, I think that was the last, those were the last words that you heard from me for quite a while. Because then you started vomiting. Yeah. And then, uh, so kind of. Well, then we, at some point. I had called and spoken with the uh, the midwives oh, at the hospital, yep. and I was like, "Yeah, contractions are like shown to be either you know between two and five minutes apart. I'm pretty sure that's one of those go signs." And she's like, "Well, I was still able to talk to her. This was obviously before the rest of the water broke and before you know the nonverbal aspect of things." And uh, given that I could talk through contractions at that point, she's like, well, why don't you just hold off and you can come in at your scheduled time for the induction. Which was, what, 7.30? They wanted us to be there at 8. 8. Yeah. So we we ended up leaving just a little bit earlier right. than we might have. When you started getting sick and it was like, okay, it's time to go. Because right. the later we were waited, it was going to be more traffic. traffic. Blah, blah, blah. Not to mention, you know, trying to be in a car for 35 to 40 minutes while you're in the most excruciating pain of your life is uh, something you want to try and get over with as quickly as possible. So when we say nonverbal, I don't just mean that you weren't saying words. There wasn't a sound escaping from you for no. this entire time. the same time. thing that happened when I got tased. Nothing. It's Nothing. way worse than <laughs> screaming. 
it is. Um, because it's hard for me to gauge like what's going on, like and... whether I should open my mouth or whether I should just stay quiet or whether I should be consoling you or whether nothing's going on. Um, but you know, so we get to the hospital. You threw up again in the car before we went inside. Uh, we went inside. We but foresight on your part, you packed a trash and bag, so we were good. I would be lying if I said that wasn't a wee bit self-serving. You're like, I don't want to clean it up. <laughs> Is that what your thought process was? It wasn't the cleanup. I didn't want to drive with it all over the place. I just wanted it contained. Gotcha. Also, it gave me something to do while we were kind of, I was kind of pacing and waiting to go. Right. Um, the bags were already packed. Everything was in the car. I was like, oh, you know what I'll spend the next 10 minutes attending to? is prepping for that so uh we got to the hospital they brought us right into the the well they didn't we we signed the whole we signed the way the paperwork again again, and then they brought us right into a labor room yeah and the uh the nurse that was in there i don't think anyone like passed along to her the memo that you were in labor right as far as she knew we were showing up for an induction right so she said like oh hey oh you look like you're a tad bit uncomfortable What's like, yeah. what's been happening? And you went, you kind of just pointed at me, and then you went right in the bathroom. Yeah. And I said, "Oh, <laughs> I will." Newsflash. I'll be happy to fill you in. Uh, she's basically in active labor or early labor, I guess technically. Um, so they got you all hooked up to the monitor, and uh, and we got going. Called the doula. The doula came in about eight. Um, we got there at what seven. Yeah, we got back to the hospital. Um, So they got you hooked up for a while. They checked you were two centimeters dilated at that Mm -hmm. point. Mind you, it had already been one. So all of that pain for one centimeter. You had been one for a few weeks. Yeah. Or a week, maybe. Right. Um, So then we just started watching your contractions on the monitor. and I was not watching. No, you were just doing your silent... (laughs) coping mechanism yeah again terrifying um we tried a couple different uh like squeezing your hips together rubbing your back kind of the more traditional homeopathic uh remedies for pain uh the doula whispering in your ear you are so strong um and this is only one day and i was like it doesn't feel like a day it feels like a billion days (laughs) It's going by so slowly, and it hurts so much. <laughs> Do you want to take a quick break and hand me the baby? Yeah. So I can feed him? Yep. Well, he's very peaceful. Okay, I have possession of the baby. He's asleep, though. Come on, bud. So, yeah, so at this point, just putting things into perspective, it was 10, I had 10 and a half hours of laboring where it was ball, sitting on the ball, Between what breathing. times when you say 10 and I'm a half? I'm saying 1.30 to... 1.30 a.m. to... 1.30 to 30 a.m. to the, the 12 o'clock To 12 o'clock, yeah. Okay. Right. So, Basically, yeah, as Mike well, was saying, they, we were well, – go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say when we first got there, the nurse said, so what's your plan today for uh, pain relief? Um, and you were like, 
you could tell you were very, very hesitant to say what you wanted to say, which was, I have no plan for pain relief. I'm just going to suck it up and breathe. Yeah. Oh, that's how she put it. Are, are you just planning on breathing through every contraction? Which, looking back on it, is like a, a super passive-aggressive way of saying, do you have no plan at all? Like, you fool if you think you're going to breathe through every contraction. But. I guess. Uh, I don't know. I really wasn't hearing things that people were saying to me, and <laughs> I wasn't responding. Right. So, anyway. So, we, we did the, the pressure points. Then we moved you on to the birthing ball. Right. Which helped. Would you say it helped? I would say it helped only because I was on the monitors, and at that point, I think they had hooked me up to the IV and mm-hmm. the freaking Pitocin. Right. Um, so... So, I guess we should address that part of it. Um, you were having contractions, but in their opinion, they weren't regular enough. Um, they were pretty strong, but they like the timing wasn't where it needed to be to really get things going. So they, they started you on the Pitocin right. and then they just progressively ramped up the dose from probably from like nine thirty to 1130. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think it was at its maximum there at the end. Yeah. Oh yeah. It had gone up to 10 by the end, but in the beginning I had been like, <laughs> the only words I could muster were just saying that. I was in so much pain that I couldn't have them introduce something that would make things more intense or worse. And then I, of course, kind of went into my own little shell again. And then next thing you know, I hear in the background, it seems like a dream. And these voices are hovering and saying, oh, we need consent. And apparently at some point, someone consented to them putting drugs in me. I really don't remember that. I really don't. I distinctly remember it. I I, No, I believe you. But anyway, so Pitocin... IV fluids, a lot of things that I had not planned on or wanted to occur, and I had been under different ideas to how things would kind of proceed if we had gone into labor naturally. Um, that, I but, think that's the important distinction is when we had envisioned a truly induced labor, it was like coming in, absolutely nothing's going on. They're going to hook you up, and they're going to make it happen artificially. We came in in full labor right. that happened from the treatment the day before. So we thought that... Well, not just thought. I mean, we were told by the doctor and midwives that if you were into labor naturally, that right. you wouldn't have to necessarily do the Pitocin. Or there wouldn't have to be as much. Exactly. It could be like a drop or two. Right. Yeah. But they, they cranked it up. Um, and, you know, I, I guess one of the, the viewpoints we had had going into this is if we have to have some of these interventions that we don't want at least we we need to try to be educated about why they're happening right kind of what the medical necessity w- is. necessity is if he's and, in trouble or distress and all, you know all bets are off do what you gotta do and i mean the baby wasn't distressed but there may have been a, a, a medical reason of why they did what they did we just don't know but what it wasn't it is. communicated it wasn't communicated. which i think is the problem right and in retrospect i guess that's the part that's been kind of tough to cope with right um but so so things i, I guess uh, to to add a little levity here for a second. My mom showed up in the waiting room about eight, eight thirty. Uh, your mom showed up in the waiting room a little bit after that. And your mom started immediately calling and texting both me and you mm-hmm. like a, like a Farva from super troopers. Do you need me in there? Um, and you, you wouldn't even talk to me and you didn't want me touching you or comforting you or anything. So, I knew you weren't going to want another person kind of like, questions how are like... you doing? Like all the things that in a normal situation, having your mom there 
having anyone's mom there, yeah, yeah, you'd be like, oh, this is so nice. It's like a warm blanket. But I knew that it was a bad idea. So my mom had the unfortunate task of trying to explain to your mom why uh, she wasn't being invited back into the room. And I know you and your mom had had conversations previously where you had expressed, Oh, it would be nice to have you in the room. Right. Um, and you know, the best laid plans, at least at the beginning, um, were tough to follow through on. So, um, she was really wringing her hands. Understandably. Understandably so. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially if she's told that her daughter is in pain and <laughs> right. Yeah. I was just communicating with, with my mom, obviously, and, you know, kind of, Helping them realize it was it was pretty tough. Right. Um, so. So from the birthing ball and the massage techniques and the breathing techniques, um, it wasn't really helping, and the pitocin was causing the contractions to basically be, in essence, almost back to back with minimal relief, minimal time to decompress or really breathe and you know revamp up for the next one, and so. Uh, you know, the nurse could tell that I was in pain again. I think she was like, you know, is, do you want other things? There's other options. And so um, she had suggested or offered up nitrous oxide as being a, an option. So I was like, okay, we'll try that if that could possibly bring some form of relief. And so that felt like it took forever. I don't know. And there was like, I don't, we don't have the tubes. They didn't stock the tubes. It was so, maybe 20 minutes. It was 20 minutes. It felt like an hour. Yeah. And then prior to that, they couldn't find my vein or they couldn't get veins because I was so dehydrated from, you know, not being, being sick previously. So it was like everything just felt like it took an eternity, which I guess in reality it probably didn't. But No, I, I had that written down in my notes uh, for kind of podcast topics and it, it stemmed from Monday, but Tuesday was the same way. Nothing happens fast. Like no. if the nurse would be like, oh, I'm just going to go grab something and I'll be right back and it would be 25 minutes. And right. that happened over and over again, which I guess is... That happens in a hospital. I mean, you don't. We did have a in, during labor and delivery. You do have a dedicated nurse whose right. only job is to stay there in the room with you, um, and and kind of monitor everything. But yeah, so then you know the nitrous didn't work. You did that for maybe a half hour. Right. Um, it was it was actually more detrimental, I think, because when you breathe it in, it like burns your throat, and then it makes you lightheaded, and the pain is still there. So basically, you're just diminished while trying to still cope and, and deal with the pain. I think maybe it helped like with one contraction and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And I, all I feel like everybody kept saying, breathe it back out or exhale it into the mask. Nobody in this room needs that. Cause I don't think I was focusing. I was just like, it's not working. No, they said that as a warning at the beginning, but I don't think you ever did it wrong. I think I, I thought I did. And she was like, nope, breathe it back into the mask. I think I remember, but maybe anyway, whatever. I thought it happened at least once. So we moved on from that, and at that point, like I said, it had been ten and a half hours, and I kind of you gave it a ten out of ten on the pain scale. I gave it that I I don't yeah. remember. I just remember them asking me, and I was like, I can't. It was it was pretty intense at that point, where it was I was actually becoming vocal in regards to how much pain I was I was feeling or experiencing. After ten hours of silent <laughs> thrashing pain, yes. to finally hear you like escape a little bit of like a uh, <laughs> that was yeah knew it was bad exactly. So um, at that point, I opted for the thing that I swore up and down I would never do, and I asked for the epidural, and that was a huge feeling of defeat for me. But did you feel it at the time? Yeah. 
I was yeah. curious whether that like it was a conscious thought emotion even had any space. It was, in your but mind. it was so it was fleeting. Like I was like, this was really something I was adamantly opposed to. But I was like, I can't. My whole thought was, I'm exhausted. I'm dehydrated. I can't go on like this. If I'm only t- two centimeters dilated, I can't go on like this for more hours. So it was one of those like in order. It was a. Uh, what is it called when you're, you know, just like trying to survive, um, self-sustaining kind of survival mechanism? Just, I guess so. Oh, hold on, baby's coughing. Yeah, like it was obviously it's actually an emotional time for me too when you made that decision. Um, is he okay? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, but at, you know, so I, I was, I felt. Yeah, explain your thoughts. for you. Yeah. Because I knew how strongly you felt about it. But I think the overwhelming thought was I was happy that you were going to get relief. And they did it very fast. Yeah. The anesthesiologist. That was the one thing that actually happened quickly. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. But I think they could tell how much, like, pain I had been in for quite a few hours at that point. And so, I mean, and probably the anesthesiologist, I mean, they have, that's their dedicated task, you know, so they're just going bouncing room to room, popping people full of drugs. And it was surprising. I had part of the adamant opposition to the epidural was just the very concept itself, but also the, a fear associated with not being able to feel your legs or something going wrong with them putting a huge needle in your back and what, what kind of pain would that be? And it was surprising that the contractions were more painful than the epidural itself. And I could feel tingling in my legs and my feet. I could still move them. I still had some strength in my legs. And so it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. So it really kind of just came back to the whole, you know, had the Pitocin not been used, perhaps I could have withheld a little bit longer. But I think regardless, that's for me, I guess, as I look back on it, that's a big thing is if you had gone in, totally naturally and everything was just progressing as your body was was naturally pushing you through it and you just said i can't take the pain anymore that's a much different situation to be in than having the pitocin which manufactures manufactures contractions frequency strength and really you know creates and before your body is ready for it now there are like we said there are reasons when that is a uh Necessary not necessary outcome. or, or um, uh, a path that that's more preferable, but you know we just there just wasn't a lot of communication of that, right? Um, but so you know the, that happened right at noontime. They administered the epidural literally at noon, and within five minutes, I want to say, um, you lifted your head up and looked at me, and it was like it was like a new day. That, that's the best way to describe it. It was like everything that happened from one thirty AM to, to noon was the day before. Right. And then after 12 was just this like weight that came off and you, you lifted your head up and you looked at me and it was the first thing you had said since, I don't know, probably since stop talking <laughs> at 3 AM. And you said, uh, is my mom here? Yeah. And I was like, yes, your mom is here, and I would love to go get her for you and, and bring her in. So I went out in the waiting room and grabbed her, and she was thrilled, and I was very happy to be able to deliver the good news and bring her back. And then by that point, you were in a position where it was helpful to have somebody you know, with you right. and um, you know, another asset um, so we could sort of like rotate people in. Um, it was nice for me to be and able you to, go and sit to with leave. Your mom yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. 
give everybody updates or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so take a nap, go to the car and take a nap. I went to the nap and took, I went to the nap, went to the car and took a nap, um, for, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes or so. That was nice. You got some sleep too, right? I did. Right. Uh, it, right, slept right through impossible. the contractions. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, never mind. Just like, never mind sleep. You couldn't cope. Right. Contraction to contraction. So that went on for till four hours. Yeah, yeah. till four o'clock. And at four o'clock, they said, okay, do you want us to check you again? That felt and a I little scary. And I had been scary. feeling pressure too. So I right. mean, I knew that I, I'm pretty sure I had been at that point for a little while, while. but yeah. So they checked. So they checked and you were fully dilated. Right. So they, at that point, they suggested that um, before you started pushing that you, um, what do they call it? Laboring down. Mm-hmm. basically where you just rest for an hour or two. Because um, they said it could take up to three hours. Yeah, they said first-time moms expect one to three hours of pushing. So um, you did some yoga nidra. Did you do your I meditation? Started, yeah. um, I went downstairs. I went out to the waiting room, and I got my parents and your parents. We went uh, to the main hospital waiting room and just kind of hung out. Um, expecting to start pushing at six at five thirty, you called me and said, it's time to start pushing. Mm-hmm. They'd had me. No. Well, the thing is they had started, they wanted me to do test push just so I'd know how to proceed when it was actually time to really push. Right. And, um, and they were like, Oh, your baby has a lot of hair. I was like, call Mike, get Mike in here. What are we doing? The baby can't come yet. Um, so I called you. Yep. And I came up and you started pushing about like 536. Mm-hmm. I have that written down here. And it was, I don't know, it was only like 10 pushes maybe. It was yeah. like a push like every a contraction. Hour. Yeah. And, uh, and the baby arrived at 610. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What do I want to say about this part? It was definitely surreal. Like the lights were kind of dimmed other than like the big surgical lamp that the the midwife had who was getting ready to catch him. Yeah. Um, And, you know, you could see his hair immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was a lot of it. (laughs) He he had way more hair hair than I thought he was going to. Um, But yeah, so then he came out and... I had uh, I had kind of like steeled myself for the the uh, the blood and you know him potentially you know they they prep you a lot for you know if, if he's not breathing like the second he comes out that's normal we're gonna bring him over give him a little help stimulate his lungs get him breathing um, but he was crying he came I out feel crying. like by the time yeah. he his feet were were out of the womb he was. He was wailing, and, yeah. and they put him up on your chest. They gave him right to me, yeah. So they had me touching his head when he was still on his, when he was making his exit. Right. And then uh, they popped him right into my hands, and I pulled him up on my chest, and he was this, just there, screaming and crying like a crazy man. And So he was wasn't the only special. one. I started crying immediately. Yes, I did too. But the way that they put him on, his, on your chest, he was facing away, away from, from me. So yeah. for maybe the first one or two minutes, I had no idea what he looked like. <laughs> I just saw his little back and his legs, and uh, I didn't know either. I could just see the top yeah, of his head. Yeah, you couldn't really <laughs> see either. So I was trying to like peek over the top and see like what does the little face look like. Um, but then they they uh, they grabbed him. I cut the cord. Mm-hmm. Then they brought him over to the little baby oven warmer thing and uh, cleaned him up a little bit. 
put uh, his first diaper on him, weighed him, did the length. Well, they did the length wrong, and someone wrote down that he was seven inches long. <laughs> he was small. That ended up in the computer, too. Like, that was in the official record until they went back and changed it afterwards. And we were getting ready to move to the postpartum room, and they were like, no, this is... Doesn't I don't think sound he's seven right. Inches. Like you have to like hold up your your hands. <laughs> seven? No, Dork. no, no, no. He's definitely bigger <laughs> than a hot dog bun. Um, more like a loaf of bread. Right. Uh, yeah. So eight pounds, two ounces, twenty and a half inches. Twenty one and a half. Ra- no, it's twenty point five because I rounded oh, up it? to twenty one. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Not that he needs me to be rounding up, rounding for him. up for him. But right. I liked that round number better. Um, yeah, and then they they just wrapped him up. They gave him to us for a while, and I texted my parents um, probably about 6.30, so 20 minutes or so after he arrived. And then there was just a lot of things that had to happen. I guess I don't even really know what they were. Um, well, I was having some bleeding issues. Right. So they had to give me more misoprostol right. to stop the bleeding. Um, and then they had to you know, do some some stitch work. And, um, there's, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that they're doing to make sure that, that you know, you have to del- deliver the, the placenta. Right. And then <laughs> the midwife was giving me some sort of like, it felt like the museum of science where they show you the, the lamb lung and they're like, look at it, touch it. This is the lamb lung. I don't know if you ever experienced that, but that's the thing that they do. And Ooh, she that's ha- a very specific reference. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it happens. So she had the placenta in a little tin like the metal contain, container, the metal yeah, container yeah. and she held it up to me to like <laughs> I touch I it over at that point and she was like yeah this is the side that touches your baby and then this is the other side and she was giving me a little science lesson yeah i was like that's nice thank you for sharing but anyway it was interesting to say the least but anyway so a lot of things kind of transpire right afterwards yeah so it was a couple hours before so your mom was there yeah, um, yeah. and she was recording and she taking got pictures the whole thing and, on video exactly um, probably not bound for YouTube. <laughs> probably not. Probably not even bound for, for Colin's eyes, unless he so chooses. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then our parents finally, other than your mom, finally got to come in. Uh, uh, it was probably like an hour and a half later. It was probably close to eight. Um, I think my mom was ready to disown me for making her wait that long. Like, she didn't understand what was going on, why it was taking so long. I think she thought we were like dilly-dallying, taking our time. Like, I don't know, we'll have our parents come in and meet their grandson, like, whenever. <laughs> um, but then they finally came in, and it was it was really cool. And then we moved to uh, the postpartum room. Mm-hmm. The, I don't know, maybe 8.30. And uh, my parents went out and got some dinner for us, brought it back. And then my parents, your parents, your brothers and sisters, your brothers and sisters, girlfriends, everybody mm-hmm. piled into our little tiny, little room. tiny room with the cot next to the hospital bed. We hadn't figured out the air conditioner that night. Yeah. So it was about sweltering 200 degrees in that room. Approximately. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know about you, but I had I was having like a big time adrenaline dump. It had been such a long day. We'd been up since 2 a.m., you know, had a baby. Mm-hmm. And now everyone's in the room and trying to eat and then everybody left and um we were faced with the they they came in and said oh do you want to take the baby to the nursery tonight and you were very i don't want to say apprehensive but i guess pensive Mm -hmm. thinking about the answer and 
obviously I felt like it was your decision to make, but I was sending you waves. <laughs> like, yes, please, no, please, please take the baby. Um, because Wait, I, the thing too is they did had an attached a little security band to his leg. And I was like, what if somebody tries to steal Did that really him? go through your head? It did. That's interesting. I'm a crazy person. But I was uh, more worried about my sleep. Your sleep. Right. <laughs> but um, also because I'd only pushed for half an hour um, to get him out, basically that can sometimes cause additional like mucousy conditions for the for infants so he was kind of having some mucousy issues and that was kind of the determining factor for me is like you know if we're exhausted and out cold we may not hear him coughing we can't suction him so it'd be better to have some nurses that are awake and like their their only concern is him right so the better decision i think so they took him um, they brought him back about three in the morning to try to uh, to feed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, then they took him again, brought him back at six. So we were able to get a couple um, couple stints of sleep there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I guess that was the hard part. Then then we just kind of hung out for for two days. Um, people coming, going, family uh, stopping by. The next morning, when we decide uh, formalize the name, we had we had the first name down, and we had the two middle names uh, written up um, on the board, trying to see which direction and which order we liked it. And, and we made our decision. We we erased the other one, and uh, and the nurse came in and read the name off the board, and she said, "That sounds presidential." Mm-hmm. And it was like, "Okay, we made the right choice." <laughs> That's you know most. Powerful man in the world is a pretty big um, indicator of it being the right decision. <laughs> I was going to say it's kind of a high bar to set. Oh, for sure. For someone who at that point was 13 hours old. Yep. But I think he's up for the challenge. <laughs> set the bar high. What's this? The uh, shoot for the moon. Yes. And if you fail, you will still be amongst the stars. Um, yeah. So then we hung out for a, a few days, and and then we went home mm-hmm. after we. Stole as many diapers and um, stealing is a very strong word. They were provided to us as resources, right? As such, we just collected them and we're going to utilize them at home as opposed to in the hospital. It's kind of like a visiting nurse, just no nurse, just the supplies, right? That the exactly. Nurse might bring. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of intricate setups for you know just the relief measures that are utilized afterwards there's like processes to everything it's very interesting but yeah so um so that that's that we uh put him in the car mm-hmm. and we drove home and then we got home uh your family came over and mm-hmm. brought immense amounts of food a huge amount of food mm-hmm. which was very nice that first night um and then for those first few nights, we did a move where I got a couple hours of sleep, say, between like 9 and midnight or 10 and 1. And then I got up and did a midnight shift uh, with him from, you know, 10 to or, uh, 12 to 6 or uh, 1 to 7, kind of let you sleep for a few hours, wake up and feed him every three hours and um I got some good Netflix time in, watched some some good movies, and basically was just watching him sleep. Mm-hmm. But uh, we try, I think we tried that first night to put him in the room with us and all three of us go to sleep at the same time, and it didn't really work. Right. Um, so we did that for a few nights, 
Um, and and then I didn't I think, realize it was just not something we yeah, could maintain. Yeah, it's not sustainable to be on a midnight shift like that where then I was getting up in the or going to bed in the morning when you woke up for three or four hours and kind of leaving you with them in the morning and then kind of both be up during the day. But um, we, we, we started rotating him through all the swings and seats and all that good stuff like uh, we knew we, we would need to. And we found uh, a rocker that he really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's technically called a sleeper um, that rocks back and forth. And he loved that, and he slept in that very well. So I guess it was on the fourth night we brought him up to uh, up to our room, put him in that rocker, and uh, he fell asleep with us. Mm-hmm. Like perfect. Um, two nights in a row now, it's been... Three hour, we'll go to bed all at the same time, feed him before you go to bed, change mm-hmm. his diaper, make sure he's happy, and then he'll sleep for three hours, he'll wake up, you can feed him, or I can feed him with the bottle. We do a little bit of both. Yep. And then uh, he goes back to sleep for another three hours. So it's been like sleep from, I don't know, 11 to, or 12 to 3. Right. Get up from 3 to 4, put him back down, he sleeps from 4 to 7, and somehow that leaves us both with six hours of sleep. It's not interrupted, but... Um, or it is interrupted. Right. It's not uninterrupted, but that's been that's been pretty good. Right. And if much better than the alternative. Yeah. <laughs> the first if, couple of days. Hey, if we can stay on that schedule and maybe steal a, a quick nap here or there during the day, I think we're going to be okay. Agreed. We'll make it. But um, it wasn't all roses. We had some some uh, badish news, I guess. So something contributing to the exhaustion the first couple of days um, was that. The whole lactation aspect of things is far more difficult than anybody really kind of prepares you for. And so, yeah. Can I just give you my thought on that, though, real quick? That is something that I had definitely heard. Like, breastfeeding is hard. It's really hard. But when you're 36, 37 weeks pregnant and you're faced with labor... Everything after labor doesn't matter. Right. And when someone says to you, oh, that's hard, you're like, yeah, 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 I don't care about that. I'll deal with it when it comes. You know what else is harder? Is (laughs) giving birth. And that is my next challenge. And that's the only thing I care about right now. Um, So, like, someone texted me today and said, I heard teething is hard. I think teething is hard. I couldn't care one (laughs) bit about teething right now. Cross that bridge when it gets there. (laughs) Because my main thing is to make sure that he's breathing at all times Uh and that he gets fed and changed his diaper. And he sleeps. And he sleeps. That's all I care about right now. Right. Teething. I I bet driving is going to be hard when he drives. There's going to be a whole bunch of things that are hard. He's going to have like a bad attitude at some point. That's going to be hard. Yep. He might tell us that he hates us. That might happen. That's going to be hard. Don't yep. care about one of those things right now. <laughs> We're going to take all these challenges as they come. Exactly. Um, so that's how I felt about breastfeeding. Uh, how difficult could it be? He's going to be hungry. He'll eat. Right. Moving on. Right. But it has been a little bit more of a challenge. Um, so he lost almost a full pound right. between Tuesday night when he was born and Friday morning when we brought him to the pediatrician for the first time. Um, which is more weight than he should be losing. Right. So they had us start um, the supplementation. The supplementation where we'll give um, he'll kind of feed naturally for a while, and then we'll supplement 
with um, pumped milk, pumped milk uh, as soon as he's done feeding with you. So um, that's been good for me to just be a little bit more involved. Mm-hmm. It's one of the it's things been good that, for me too, so I can get more rest. And- right, because we can we can substitute an entire feeding with the bottle if we need to. Um, but but that's been good. So he gained what four, four ounces. ounces in four days. Mm-hmm. Um, we go again another for another weigh in tomorrow. Yep. So and fingers crossed. Yeah. So he's he's definitely going the right direction. Um, he's kind of figured out his eating thing. We are pumping him full of food. <laughs> um, Literally. <laughs> he's been he's been eating a lot and, and pooping and peeing a lot as well. Mostly in the diaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit. A little um, on you. That yeah, I'll tell you if if you had kind of given me a glimpse two weeks ago of what the first week would go like as far as diapers, I would have uh, taken it a hundred times out of a hundred. It's been very doable. Yeah, um, just with that one little accident, and uh, even that wasn't so Although bad. He does like to pee on you. That only happened twice. It happened back to back. I think he was just in a mood that day. Um, I'll show you. <laughs> we, yeah, we only had that one emergency like. Bring him to the sink. Yeah. I hope Things there aren't are any dishes everywhere. in the sink because <laughs> he needs to be deposited um, to be cleaned up. But no, that's been that's been handled so far. Um, but yeah, we're... Oh, and then the jaundice, which is a whole other adventure. Yep. So they checked him in the hospital and they said he was low risk for jaundice. Um, I had that as a newborn and my dad had it as a newborn. It's um, kind of that yellowing color. Um there must be something more dangerous about it than appearing yellow. It's, it's um, that manu- bodily manufactured whatever that's, I think it's created by your liver. And I think it, the problem is if it gets too high, it becomes too potent and it can create issues within your body right. and like kind of create issues for your organs. Yep. So I think that's what the concern is and they want you to try and flush it out as quickly as possible. So said that basically it wasn't an issue whatever day, Wednesday or Thursday when they did the test. Um, But when we went Friday, um, they they had him checked. He looked a little yellow. They had him checked in. We didn't get the results back from the Friday test until Tuesday because of the 4th of July weekend. But um, the Friday number was elevated kind of right on that borderline problematic number. But um, they had us checked again on Tuesday. And the number had stayed the same, which is actually good because it was now four or five days later, and apparently that level is more acceptable the time you go by. Because so, it's based upon the hours of life right? as opposed to just a generalized number. So we were given instructions, feed, feed, feed. As long as he's peeing and pooping and, and eating, everything should be good. He looks a lot less yellow now, and, and everything is cool. So, mm-hmm. But it was pretty painful for us, I think, to have to bring him to the hospital and have them stab him in the foot and then they flush literally his blood out. They literally stabbed him in the foot. <laughs> Sharp with device. A knife. No. Oh, but they collected a lot of blood, and he was, you know, blood curdling screams, and it was pretty sad. But it was sad, but the, it was necessary. So one he, of the he's okay. One of the best things about him is he's super resilient. Like yeah. he is blood curdling scream one second, like I'm about to die, and then the next second is oh the the carrier is rocking back and forth. Okay, I'm That's I'm asleep nice. now. I like that. Um, I'm comfortable. Um, he's a good baby. He's a good baby. We're awesome parents. Yeah, or maybe he's just an awesome baby, and that's why makes us look good. I mean, he has basically slept through the night two nights in a row. Yeah, so so you can't really ask for anything more than that. I actually, I totally agree with you there. <laughs> okay, um, 
Well, I, I think that's everything I have. The dogs have been great. Yeah. They are assuming their big sister role very well. Mm-hmm. Um, they, when he's sleeping, if, if he makes like a little peep or any sort of noise, they will go over and check on him. And give him a kiss. They look at him and they kind of sniff him and maybe give him a quick kiss and then they go back and settle down. Um, so I fully expect that to continue. Uh, he'll probably be riding them in yep. a week or two, mm-hmm. hopefully. Most likely. Um, so yeah, we're, we're through the birth part. Yep. So now this is just a parenting podcast mm-hmm. and we're going to, um, we'll, we'll revisit birth. Yeah. Um, I so think our- it'd be cool to discuss some of the decisions like that you don't necessarily consider when you're, you're dealing with the concept of having a baby and then you're like, oh wow, there's all these decisions we have to make and, you know, have to evaluate pros and cons of each, you know, of either side of it. And so I think that'd be kind of interesting to discuss a little bit. I agree with that. Yeah. But yeah, so that and parenting, right? Parenting. Okay, well, the baby's still asleep, but the dogs are barking. Yeah. I think that's our the neighbors cue. are going to kill us, so we got to bring them in. Well, they just had a newborn, too. This is true. They might be trying to sleep, though. <laughs> that's a good point. Anyway, bye for now. It's been real. Yep. We'll talk to you next time. Ciao. You want to be-